Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. I'm Anne. I welcome Coach Kat back again this week to talk about the symptoms of betrayal trauma and how to start the healing process. Welcome back, Coach Kat. Hi, Anne. It's good to be here again. If you missed last week's episode, you can go to it in iTunes at Betrayal Trauma Recovery. We're also on SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you're interested in interacting with us on social media, we'd love to have you. Coach Kat, I'm glad you're here today. What are the most common symptoms of betrayal trauma that you see with your clients? Well, there are some really common symptoms. And I guess the things that I see most regularly are, first of all, the overwhelming emotions that are stirred up by this experience of finding out what your husband is doing whilst you're not looking. And so these overwhelming emotions come up and that manifests in lots of different ways. But I see sleep difficulty as something that happens a lot. So either we want to sleep too much or we can't sleep at all. Or when we do sleep, we get nightmares. Um, We get eating issues, that complete lack of appetite and the overeating on the other end of that spectrum. I see anxiety and panic attacks in response to triggers and the obsessive and intrusive thoughts, flashbacks and nightmares. So we just can't get rid of some of those images of things that we've seen or things that we've imagined as a result of the things that we've been told. The other thing that surfaces an awful lot is the obsessive checking. And I don't know if you've been there, but I definitely have have of scouring internet history, scouring emails, text messages, what's going on on the computer that I don't know about. And that's all about looking for signs of danger still being present. So I would say those are the most common things that I see. I want to talk about nightmares for a minute. My ex was supposedly in recovery, but I was still having nightmares in the dreams. I was a single mom and I knew I needed a husband. So I was like, there was that one guy. I remember him. He was kind of nice. Where is he now? Why isn't he here? And then I would try and find him. And then I would find him and he would be like kind of mean to me and brush me off. That was the nightmare. I had it all the time. It was different forms of that. And I remember I would put my hand over on him and touch him and be like, oh, good. It was just a dream. Like every night. And then I would tell him about it. And I would say, I'm having these nightmares. I don't know what's wrong with me. Everything seems to be fine with us. And I remember one night when I was lying in bed right next to him. And I said, I've been having these nightmares. I really feel like something bad's going to happen. And I didn't pause to let him speak. After saying that, I kind of went, yeah, but it's just crazy. It must just be me. I'm still mentally messed up. You know, I just kind of justified it and went around it. Well, he never said anything about it. But now that I look back, he not only didn't say anything and I talked myself out of it, but he also didn't try and comfort me. Mm. There was a woman in my group. She said, I'm having nightmares almost every night, but I wake up and I look at him and everything's fine. And I said, when you tell him about your nightmares, how far away is he? I gave her an example. I said, is he standing more than four feet away from you, looking at you, but kind of not really responding and saying things like, oh, and that's about it. She started crying. She said, that's exactly what's happening. I said, I'm not sure what's going on, but an empathetic, caring, connected person 
would not be four or five feet away from you in that situation. Mm -hmm. They would be giving you a hug. They'd be saying, oh, my, I'm so sorry that you're having these nightmares. They would try to reassure you, right? I love you. I care about you. Is there anything I can do? Something, some kind of connecting, interacting thing. But this standing like four or five feet away with this blank stare on your face like a deer in the headlights. Right now, I'm kind of thinking nightmares are maybe it's an indication that you're still not safe. I don't know. I'm kind of toying around with this idea. What are your thoughts? I definitely think that dreams are significant and I do. I think it's no coincidence that we suffer this trauma and it starts to work itself out whilst we're at rest, you know, and I think that's to do with the conscious and the subconscious mind. Now, I'm not a dream expert, but I do know (laughs) that, you know, when we're sleeping, our brain is at rest and our ability to think consciously is, is not there. And so that allows, I think, our subconscious mind to just sort through some of that stuff. Now, some of the dream life that we have must be random because I very occasionally will dream of somebody that I haven't seen for 25 years and you know you think oh I haven't even thought about that person for years but it's interesting to know that that person that I haven't thought about for 25 years is stored in my subconscious mind so there's definitely a connection there of this kind of subconsciousness floating around and things coming out through that Um, what's interesting for me is that my husband actually experienced a lot of dreams in his early recovery and did some work with his therapist around interpreting what are these dreams saying to me and I think we have to be careful we can read meaning into something that isn't there but equally I think you've you've made a really valid point that you know sometimes there are danger signs in our dreams I know lots of women who've experienced dreams before they've found out about the behavior which I think is really interesting and that speaks to me of our gut instinct kind of making itself known through this subconscious brain activity. I think that's really interesting. Like I say, I'm not an expert, but I'd I'd love for somebody to do a study on that and find out what is actually going on there because I do get a sense that it's significant. Me too. And more and more as I hear these stories of women who have these nightmares and then, you know, months later they find out that something really was going on, even though in Mm. their waking hours it seemed like everything was fine. Not to say that everyone who has a nightmare her husband is acting out. I'm not saying that. I wonder if there's more to it. I don't know. Because the really interesting thing is now that I'm disconnected from him, I rarely have those nightmares anymore. Rarely. And I guess it's different pre and post discovery. We should say that too. And that sense of intuition pre discovery could be right. an, in play with these dreams. Now, post discovery, of course, you're going to dream about him acting out. And that's more likely to be fear based than it is mm-hmm. intuition based. I would suggest that actually, when I'm going to sleep, I'm thinking about what is he doing while mm-hmm. he's not here? Or did he do this? Or did he do that? Mm-hmm. Particularly if I haven't had some form of therapeutic disclosure where I know all of the details that stuff is going to be rolling around my head consciously and unconsciously all of the time so it stands to reason that when I'm going to sleep as I'm starting to relax that stuff's going to be there and that's probably more likely I would suggest to be what the dreams are about post discovery oh really yeah I'm wondering if they're a truth detector but that's terrible (laughs) to say (laughs) I don't know I wish I knew more about dreams I know me too but I I, I'm kind of toying with that idea right now as like mm. is your husband really recovering if he is would you have nightmares still I don't know you know I don't know and from, because... a, from a spiritual perspective we know that dreams are significant right so right. God communicates through dreams and I think that's certainly for women of a of a faith-based uh-huh. perspective that's something to be yeah. considered 
because thinking that my husband was in recovery when he was not, he was lying to me and manipulating me and having those dreams. Now I see an indicator of a warning to me, mm-hmm. which I just kind of dismissed. Yeah. Anyway, have you ever seen any symptoms that were outside of these common symptoms that you talked about that were outside of like the overwhelming emotions, the sleep difficulties, brain fog, eating problems, anxiety, depression, obsessive thoughts, obsessive checking? Have you ever seen anything that was like way outside of those common ones? I have actually fairly recently. In fact, I started working with a client who started talking about issues with her sleep, which is not uncommon. And she went on to talk about sleep walking and sleep eating. And I've never come across that before. And initially, I took that to my supervision group to check in with the other guys that I work with, you know, is it a reaction to medication, because that's something that we do know that happens. And when I went back to my client, no, she wasn't taking any medication. And it's seemed to all intents and purposes that this was a response to the trauma that she was experiencing. So I've never seen that before. It's quite extreme. And actually, to mitigate that, we had some sort of ideas around putting bells on the door so that if she opens the door while she's sleeping, the bell will sound in a hope that that would wake her up. You know, that was a particularly problematic behaviour for her because she had children in the house. And at one point, she'd actually woken up in her front garden with no shoes on, standing in the snow. And I was really struck by how deeply asleep you have to be to not notice that you're standing barefoot in the snow. That was one of the most bizarre symptoms I've ever come across. The other thing that I would say about symptoms of betrayal trauma is that there is a notable connection between trauma generally and autoimmune disorders. So this impact that trauma has on the physical body, particularly on the nervous system in the body. Um, And I know a lady who recently lost all of her hair through alopecia. So she was diagnosed with alopecia, her hair fell out, including her eyebrows, her eyelashes and all of her body hair. And I thought that was a particularly shocking kind of outworking of this trauma. And actually for for this person, that was her third autoimmune disorder. She had one before D-Day, she had one after D-Day, and the latest one was the alopecia. And I read a study actually just today that said that veterans of war who have PTSD, when compared with other psychiatric disorders, were at a greater risk of autoimmune disease by 51%. It's not everybody's story, but actually I have seen repeatedly these autoimmune disorders where there's been ongoing trauma and particularly with the post-traumatic stress disorder. I have an unnamed autoimmune disorder. It's not lupus. It's not arthritis. I've been trying to get a diagnosis for a long time. I get super, super Mm. sleepy and all of my joints hurt really bad. So it has a lot of the same characteristics of these mm. autoimmune diseases. So the doctors are like, yep, you have one. It's just, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what it is. It's unnamed. And we should call it the betrayal trauma autoimmune disorder. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should call it call. Be- betrayal disorder. Yeah, totally. So tell me about how these symptoms are perceived by other professionals not familiar with betrayal trauma. As partners of sex addicts, we are a very misunderstood population and our symptoms are very often misinterpreted. I mean, aside from the label of codependent and co-addicted, one of the other things I regularly hear is misdiagnosis of personality disorders. And I would say the most common one that I come up against is the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And I looked up here in the UK the main symptoms of that according to our National Health Service. 
and they read as follows. Emotional instability, the psychological term is effective dysregulation. They read disturbed patterns of thinking and perception, impulsive behaviour and intense but unstable relationships with others. And I thought, wow, that sounds familiar. (laughs) It's really important that when we're working professionally with women affected by betrayal trauma, that we put on the right pair of glasses. As I mentioned before, we can look at this package of symptoms with the glasses of co-addiction. We can look at this package of symptoms with the glasses of borderline personality disorder, or we can look at it with the glasses of betrayal trauma, because the symptoms, as we've seen, are the same for each of those different kind of disorders if you want to call them that but actually they're understood very differently depending on which pair of glasses that you're wearing so I think it's really important that as women experiencing this issue we get educated we know what it is that we're dealing with we read the literature we find out what resonates for us and what feels right for us before we start working with professionals because if we don't have a clear idea of what we need help with we do run the risk of having an erroneous label slapped on us and we don't know what the red flags are to watch out for but if we get educated and we know what it is that we need help with we're in a better position to ask for the help that we need to watch out for the warning signs of being misdiagnosed and to advocate for ourselves in getting the right treatment. I have a friend whose husband has labeled her borderline and kept taking her in to get help Her husband had been lying to her and gaslighting her and he had a double life sexual addiction going on. And this was a way for him to avoid anyone looking at him and keep her sort of crazy. The problem is, is there's no way to actually recover if you're still being abused like this. So he's still in the abusive situation. And that's why it's so important to have the right help because... People will just continue to be abused or stay in the situation that they're in rather than establishing safety, which is what we're going to talk about next week. We talk about codependency and we talk about personality disorders. Let's be realistic and say that there will be some women who are betrayed by sex addiction who have some of those things going on. Yeah. But... If we're not treating the trauma that they're experiencing, then the likelihood they will recover holistically from anything else that is in that pot is very, very slim because trauma hooks other trauma, right? So if you suffer this trauma and you've got trauma in your past, the whole lot is going to come crashing to the forefront. And if you don't recover from an aspect of trauma, then you don't recover from trauma, you know? So we need to be more holistic in our approach to kind of finding out what's going on there. In some of the training that I did, the trainer talked about every woman being unique and bringing their own unique set of experiences and unique perspectives into the treatment room, if you will. And that our job as professionals is to just discover you know, to, to get in and find out, not to make any any assumptions about what it is that we're dealing with, but to get in there and find out and listen to what they're saying before we try slap a big old label on them or cram them into a box. Let's just mm-hmm. find out. Let's listen. Mm-hmm. Yes, this friend of mine, she has now separated herself from her abusive spouse and her borderline symptoms are they're gone. So it's like now she's having trauma symptoms. But I think that's so interesting that when you work on the being safe from the trauma first, then you could maybe see the other things that were going on more clearly. Is, is that kind of what you're saying too? 
Yeah, I mean, you can either see them going on more clearly or you can see if they're going on at all. Right. right. But if we don't deal with the trauma, then we'll never know. Is it trauma or is it something else? Let's we can assume that there will be trauma because the, all the definitions of trauma talk about this wound that's created that I spoke about last week. This wound that's created when the trust and the reasonable expectation of safety is violated. So that's going to be there to some degree or another. So let's look at that and then see what happens to all of the other symptoms. And if they're still there, then let's deal with those or let's at least ask the question. Question, did this used to happen before you found out that you married a sex addict because right. if it didn't then the chances are it's a result of that and not a long-standing issue yes so women who are experiencing these symptoms what can they do the place to start is with the absolute basics when we're talking about the kind of post discovery what happens now it can take all of our energy just to eat something just to get some sleep and just to drink some water and if that's you then that's the place to start because it takes all of our resilience even when we're fully fueled up and fully well cared for to really kind of begin to walk through this experience. So it's a good idea to get yourself checked out by a doctor if those things are really problematic to get some help with that. But we're talking about the basic self-care principles so that I've got something to draw on when it comes to needing to walk through this experience. The other thing that I always recommend as a first step is to go get a health screening to rule out the possibility or to find out whether you might have any sexually transmitted infections. It's one of the most difficult things that I ask women to do, but it's one of the most important because if we don't know what we're dealing with, then we can't create that safety. And beyond that, I would say, get help get help from a well-trained professional who can help you identify what it really is that you're experiencing and where you need to build safety and how you can do that yes 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 and appsats coaches are those well-trained professionals i have spent so much time and money going to therapists to train them i am paying them to sit there in their office and train them about betrayal trauma rather than from the first second to have them actually help me to actually mm. have them say, okay, this is what we need to do now. I see where you're at. Let me help you navigate this. There was one therapist, it was like three months after my husband's arrest, who I had to talk her into telling her that my husband was abusive. It was crazy. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm not going to her anymore, you know? And I think she was confused because I didn't want to divorce so she was mm. kind of like wait a minute you're saying your husband's abusive but you don't want to get a divorce like I don't know how to help you right <laughs> what am I supposed to do and I'm like I need help but he yes he is abusive and yes I don't want to get a divorce like can we just sit here in this for a minute like can you accept me yeah. where I am and I think AppSats coaches are the well-trained to be able to take a woman where she's at and help her navigate a safety plan I'm doing group coaching right now with Coach Kat in her Betrayal Trauma Recovery Intimate Treason Workbook group. Love it. Intimate Treason is amazing. And Coach Kat is empathetic and understanding and also helpful, <laughs> helping navigate this. <laughs> so I have found in my recovery uh, that is in process right now that a supportive community has made all of the difference. Coach Kat, how do you think a supportive community of understanding women helps women heal from the trauma? 
I think community is hugely, hugely important in this healing journey. And a big part of that is about being able to tell our story. And actually a big part of trauma recovery is about being able to tell our story over and over and over, because what that helps us to do is begin to make sense of some of the stuff that has happened to us. So being able to do that in a group is a really great way of building this sense of being normal, right? So we share in a group and somebody else goes, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I feel. And suddenly you're not the only person in the world feeling that. And you realize that what you're feeling is normal. It's reasonable. You're not crazy. And it isn't just you that this thing is happening to. So it's really important to get around other women on this journey. Yes. I have found out a lot of the things I did while in trauma and while trying to figure it out were not healthy, but they were totally normal. Right? Right. I'm an average person, right? And I was doing the best I could under the circumstances. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I am totally normal. I am the same as everyone else. It's nice. And that's so reassuring, particularly because trauma makes us do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. You know, the intense pain, the intense anger, the intense hurt. Here in England, we talk about that kind of coming out sideways. That's a that's a terminology that I would use. You know, it doesn't come out straightforward. It comes out in ways that are unexpected and it touches people that it wasn't meant to touch. And, you know, sometimes we say things that we wouldn't normally say. And that feels bad because that's not who we are. But suddenly it feels a bit less bad when we find out that we're not the only person that did something we didn't want to do. And just knowing that can sometimes be enough to stop us from doing it again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Next week, Coach Kat and I are going to talk about the stages of betrayal trauma healing. These three stages are part of the multidimensional partner trauma model that AppSats came up with. And we are the only online practice that uses this. And it is amazing. We're also one of the only online practices that doesn't have static modules. We actually give you personal assistance which I think is key. Just watching a video about it is good for educational purposes, but actually digging in and doing the work to heal is so important. So to schedule an appointment with Coach Kat or any one of our AppSats Betrayal Trauma Coaches, go to btr.org and click on the menu in the top left corner. You can check out our coaches' bios, group coaching options, and individual coaching schedules. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate it on iTunes. Each rating helps other women who are isolated and need support find this podcast. Also, if you find this podcast helpful, we invite you to donate. Betrayal Trauma Recovery is a nonprofit and your donations are tax deductible. We are here for you and until next week, stay safe out there.